Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. By faith the prophets saw a day when the long-form Messiah would appear with the power to break the chains of sin and death and rise triumphant from the grave. By faith the church was called to go. By faith the church was called in to the go. power of the Spirit to the lost. To the lost. To deliver captives and to preach good news in every corner of the earth. We will stand as children shall be moved, and the power of the gospel shall prevail, for we know in Christ all things are possible, for those who call upon his name, we will stand as children of the promise, we will fix our eyes on him, our souls reward and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. We'll walk by faith and not by If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
Jesus Christ, I think about your sacrifice. You became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of love, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. Exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at this saving grace, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. Once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life Once again I pour out my life Exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at the saving grace, and I'm in that place once again. Yes, I'm in that place once again. Once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life Once again I pour out my Once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside Once again I thank you Once again I pour out my life Once again I pour out my Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross.
Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus. Songs of Praise endeavors to draw your heart, mind, and soul to a close relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ.
You sat just desk and knock, and the door will be opened to the countless blessings that never end. Throughout history, for your people, you've never failed. You have fought. It's the way.
your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
joyful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we hopelessly lost the way. I hear your love calling 
We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, The Sower Went Forth to Sow. Many parents seek to promote the happiness of their children by gratifying their love of amusement. They allow them to engage in sports and to attend parties of pleasure and provide them with money to use freely in display and self-gratification. The more the desire for pleasure is indulged, the stronger it becomes. The interest of these youth is more and more absorbed in amusement until they come to look upon it as the great object of life. They form habits of idleness and self-indulgence that make it almost impossible for them ever to become steadfast Christians. Even the church, which should be the pillar and ground of the truth, is found encouraging the selfish love of pleasure. When money is to be raised for religious purposes, to what means do many churches resort? To bazaars, suppers, fancy fairs, even to lotteries and like devices. Often the place set apart for God's worship is desecrated by feasting and drinking, buying, selling and merrymaking. Respect for the house of God and reverence for His worship are lessened in the minds of the youth. The barriers of self-restraint are weakened. Selfishness, appetite, the love of display are appealed to, and they strengthen as they are indulged. The Pursuit of Pleasure and Amusement Centres in the Cities Many parents who choose a city home for their children, thinking to give them greater advantages, meet with disappointment and too late repent their terrible mistake. The cities of today are fast becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah. The many holidays encourage idleness. The exciting sports, theatre-going, horse-racing, gambling, liquor-drinking and revelling stimulate every passion to intense activity. The youth are swept away by the popular current. Those who learn to love amusement for its own sake open the door to a flood of temptations. They give themselves up to social gaiety and thoughtless mirth, and their intercourse with pleasure lovers has an intoxicating effect upon the mind. They are led on from one form of dissipation to another until they lose both the desire and the capacity for a life of usefulness. Their religious aspirations are chilled. Their spiritual life is darkened. All the nobler faculties of the soul, all that link man with the spiritual world, are debased. It is true that some may see their folly and repent. God may pardon them. But they have wounded their own souls and brought upon themselves a lifelong peril. The power of discernment, which ought ever to be kept keen and sensitive to distinguish between right and wrong, is in a great measure destroyed. They are not quick to recognize the guiding voice of the Holy Spirit 
or to discern the devices of Satan. Too often in time of danger they fall under temptation and are led away from God. The end of their pleasure-loving life is ruined for this world and for the world to come. Cares, riches, pleasures, all are used by Satan in playing the game of life for the human soul. The warning is given, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 1 John 2 verses 15 and 16. He who reads the hearts of men as an open book says, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Luke 21 verse 34. And the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit writes, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10. Preparation of the Soil Throughout the parable of the sower, Christ represents the different results of the sowing as depending upon the soil. In every case, the sower and the seed are the same. Thus he teaches that if the word of God fails of accomplishing its work in our hearts and lives, the reason is to be found in ourselves. But the result is not beyond our control. True, we cannot change ourselves, but the power of choice is ours, and it rests with us to determine what we will become. The wayside, the stony ground, the thorny ground hearers need not remain such. The Spirit of God is ever seeking to break the spell of infatuation that holds men absorbed in worldly things, and to awaken the desire for the imperishable treasure. It is by resisting the Spirit that men become inattentive to or neglectful of God's Word. They are themselves responsible for the hardness of heart that prevents the good seed from taking root and for the evil growths that check its development. The garden of the heart must be cultivated. The soil must be broken up by deep repentance for sin. Poisonous, satanic plants must be uprooted. The soil once overgrown by thorns can be reclaimed only by diligent labor. So the evil tendencies of the natural heart can be overcome only by earnest effort in the name and strength of Jesus. The Lord bids us by his prophet, Break up your fellow ground, and sow not among thorns. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Jeremiah 4 verse 3 and Hosea 10 verse 12. This work he desires to accomplish for us, and he asks us to cooperate with him. The sowers of the seed have a work to do in preparing hearts to receive the gospel. In the ministry of the word, there is too much sermonizing and too little of real heart-to-heart -heart work. There is need of personal labor for the souls of the lost. In Christ-like sympathy, we should come close to men individually and seek to awaken their interest in the great things of eternal life. Their hearts may be as hard as the beaten highway, and apparently it may be a useless effort to present the Savior to them. But while logic may fail to move 
and argument be powerless to convince, the love of Christ revealed in personal ministry may soften the stony heart so that the seed of truth can take root. So the sowers have something to do that the seed may not be choked with thorns or perish because of shallowness of soil. At the very outset of the Christian life, every believer should be taught its foundation principles. He should be taught that he is not merely to be saved by Christ's sacrifice, but that he is to make the life of Christ his life and the character of Christ his character. Let all be taught that they are to bear burdens and to deny natural inclination. Let them learn the blessedness of working for Christ, following Him in self-denial and enduring hardness as good soldiers. Let them learn to trust His love and to cast on Him their cares. Let them taste the joy of winning souls for Him. In their love and interest for the lost, they will lose sight of self. The pleasures of the world will lose their power to attract and its burdens to dishearten. The plowshare of truth will do its work. It will break up the fallow ground. It will not merely cut off the tops of the thorns, but will take them out by the roots. In good ground, the sower is not always to meet with disappointment. Of the seed that fell into good ground, the Saviour said, This is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. That on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. The honest and good heart of which the parable speaks is not a heart without sin, for the gospel is to be preached to the lost. Christ said, I came not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mark 2 verse 17. He has an honest heart who yields to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He confesses his guilt and feels his need of the mercy and love of God. He has a sincere desire to know the truth that he may obey it. The good heart is a believing heart, one that has faith in the Word of God. Without faith it is impossible to receive the Word. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6 This is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. The Pharisees of Christ's day closed their eyes lest they should see, and their ears lest they should hear. Therefore the truth could not reach their hearts. They were to suffer retribution for their willful ignorance and self-imposed blindness. But Christ taught his disciples that they were to open their minds to instruction and be ready to believe. He pronounced a blessing upon them because they saw and heard with eyes and ears that believed. The good ground hearer receives the word, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 Only he who receives the scriptures as the voice of God, speaking to himself, is a true learner. He trembles at the word, for to him it is a living reality. He opens his understanding and his heart to receive it. Such hearers were Cornelius and his friends, who said to the apostle Peter, Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Acts 10 verse 33. A knowledge of the truth depends not so much upon strength of intellect as upon pureness of purpose 
the simplicity of an earnest, dependent faith. To those in humility of heart seek for divine guidance, angels of God draw near. The Holy Spirit is given to open to them the rich treasures of the truth. The good ground hearers, having heard the word, keep it. Satan, with all his agencies of evil, is not able to catch it away. Merely to hear or to read the word is not enough. He who desires to be profited by the scriptures must meditate upon the truth that has been presented to him. By earnest attention and prayerful thought, he must learn the meaning of the words of truth and drink deep of the spirit of the holy oracles. God bids us fill the mind with great thoughts, pure thoughts. He desires us to meditate upon his love and mercy, to study his wonderful work in the great plan of redemption. Then, clearer and still clearer, will be our perception of truth, higher, holier, our desire for purity of heart and clearness of thought. The soul dwelling in the pure atmosphere of holy thought will be transformed by communion with God through the study of the Scriptures. And bring forth fruit. Those who, having heard the word, keep it, will bring forth fruit in obedience. The word of God received into the soul will be manifest in good works. Its result will be seen in a Christ-like character and life. Christ said of himself, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 5, verse 30. And the scripture says, He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. 1 John 2, verse 6. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. In the vicinity of Washington, New Hampshire, there were two other men along with Frederick Wheeler who were instrumental in the history of the Sabbath, T.M. Preble and Cyrus Farnsworth. T.M. Preble wrote a tract entitled Tract, showing that the seventh day should be observed as a Sabbath. 
This track was very influential for it found its way to Paris Hill, Maine and also to the home of Joseph Bates. Bates read it and was convinced of it but wanted to investigate further. Joseph Bates heard about a group of Sabbath keepers in Washington, New Hampshire, and before making any major changes, he decided to visit. He traveled by train and stagecoach to the town of Hillsborough, where Frederick Wheeler lived. Despite arriving at 10 p.m., he was invited in and said that he wanted to look at every argument in the Bible in favor of the Sabbath. That night, the two men studied together and talked until the morning. Joseph Bates took notes and in the morning they both knelt to pray and committed their lives to preaching on the Sabbath truth. The next day the two men traveled 12 miles to the home of Cyrus Farnsworth. There on a warm day in the front garden under the maple trees, Frederick Wheeler and Cyrus Farnsworth continued Joseph Bates' crash course on the Sabbath. Along with T.M. Preble's tract on the Sabbath, Bates was now fully convinced. He bade his farewells and started his three-day journey home with a lot to think about. Arriving back in Fairhaven, he was walking home from the train depot when he met his neighbor, James Madison Monroe Hall, as he was crossing the bridge from New Bedford to Fairhaven. Bates was greeted with the question, what's the news, Captain Bates? To which he responded, the news is that the seventh day is the Sabbath. After a short conversation, Bates arranged to meet with Mr. Hall and the other Advent believers to study this subject out. By the next Sabbath, Mr. Hall was a Sabbath keeper and his wife the week after. Bates would be instrumental in the adoption of the Sabbath by the disappointed Adventist. He had a special burden to teach on this subject and the tracts he wrote would be instrumental in convincing many people, in particular, James and Ellen White. Joseph Bates was at home writing when his wife came in and said she needed some more flour to finish the baking. He went down to the shop and used all the last money that he had to buy four pounds of flour. His wife Prudence was very upset. Firstly, that he had used all the money that they had and secondly, that he only had enough to buy four pounds of flour. She asked him what he was going to do. To which he responded he was going to write a book on the Sabbath and spread it to the world. About half an hour later he was impressed to go to the post office and when he arrived there was a letter for him. He didn't have enough money to even pay for the postage but asked the postmaster if he would open it. When he did he found there was a $10 bill inside and he used this money to buy a more generous supply of groceries and also to arrange for the printing of his next tract. Within a few years, this truth on the Sabbath would grow remarkably. In 1848, there were six major conferences on the Sabbath with Bates presenting at most of them. 
after the great disappointment of 1844 and the scattering that the various winds of doctrine would cause after this, God was using this truth to gather his people around. Proverbs 4 verse 18 says that the path of the just is as a shining light that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. God was slowly leading his people back to a full understanding of his word. May we follow God as he leads us day by day and step by step. To view more episodes in this series, visit lineagejourney.com.